Hey there, I'm Joey Dean, lead pastor of South Lakes Church in Oklahoma City. At South Lakes Church, we exist to be radically devoted to God, relentlessly committed to true community, and remarkably passionate for the lost. We hope your faith is strengthened and you grow closer to Jesus as you listen this morning. Now let's jump into this week's message. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, between carrying this table and crying over there, I was about all the weddings in our church was. This table is fine. So, um, Joey, when we first met, Joey asked, and, and we the elders got together, and it was, "Hey, who's gonna who's gonna preach over what? You know, let's look at the timeline." And Joey said, "Isaac, would you like to preach over Numbers eight, nine, and 10? And if you've ever read through the Bible, even if you've stopped the numbers, and yeah, it's like, uh, and then and then the Lord quickly said, no, uh, I give you the opportunity, you take it. So when the Holy Spirit speaks, absolutely, I thought, well, he's got something good, so I trust God more than I trust my desire to try to make it through numbers. But it's really amazing. As I started digging in, I realized there is so much in numbers. And as, I mean, between, actually, between Landon already talking and preaching right there, man, that was great. And Joey preaching it, and he kind of hit almost on all the points already. And Jeremy hit him a couple of weeks ago, Joey hit him last week. What we're, what our Christian walk was the Old Testament. What we are now, where we are now, is what it should be. It's, you'll see. It's just amazing. So, uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Isaac McCord. I'm one of the elders. Uh, I don't often get the chance to preach, as you can tell. I'm nervous and excited all at the same time. I'm more excited because I love talking about God. I work in school, so I break the law all the time. I tell everybody about God. Uh, I don't care because it's just fun, you know? And God's awesome. He answers all my prayers. Why not? So, um, and we have all the kids in here, so I feel really comfortable. So, uh, it, it, I saw the little fidget spinners. I'm not one of those people that gets annoyed by that, but uh, if I need everybody's attention, I know how to get your attention. I'll give you an example. One, two, three. Eyes on me, right? Everyone looks. Or at least all the kids do, because they know it's a story. <laughs> all right. So we are going to discuss numbers. We are going to outline the chapters. And we are going to look at what it looks like and some of the headings. And then we're going to go deep dive into some of these. So, um, there's a couple of things that I want to start off with by saying, you you know, you can get offended by anybody up here preaching. There's always something that's probably a point of contention, and you might think, I, I don't agree with that, or I don't know about that, and you can always get offended. So, I would challenge you, if you get offended, take note, write it down, look it up. Also, just have an open mind to what God wants to do. That's, that's the, really the point. So let's pray, and let's ask the Holy Spirit to lead this sermon, lead me, lead you, and uh, see what he has for us. Heavenly Father, prepare our hearts, take away the distractions. Lord, we know that there's a lot going on in this world. We know that there's a lot going on in our families. But as what was already said, you are on the throne. Holy Spirit, you're here. You're in the presence of your people. Flow, show yourself in the name of Jesus. Give me the words to speak. And Lord, let us walk out of here empowered to show the world how good you are in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So we are going to start, and, and they asked me to do sermon notes. So I was kind of leery about that because I'm used to just having a sheet of paper saying, right now, what it is you hear. All right. So as you write down, you're filling the blanks. If there's something you like, star it. And underline it and say, I'm going to dig down into that later. So we're going to have a summary of some of the sections. And we start in Numbers 8. We have a section over the lampstands. We have, followed by that, we have the priesthood. Then we have the Passover. And we have trumpets. And then we have the leading by the children of Israel by the cloud and the fire. So we're going to discuss those. And I will tell you this. I went through my notes one time, and it was an hour and a half, 
I went through it one time and it was 35 minutes. And I will say what Joey said, the tragedy of our church, I, I did see the blessing, the silver lining, and I thought it got loose. There's one service. I don't have to rush through it. <laughs> I can take an hour. I, I, I will not try to do that. I will be respectful of everyone's time. So, our first heading, the seven lampstands, we see it in Numbers 8, 1 through 4. In our sermon notes, you have them, and it says, we have the lampstand shining. So God tells Moses to, to tell Aaron to make the seven lamps and, and on a lampstand, and they shine out. Um, while this is a short heading, it is actually quite deep, because if you actually look and you do some research into the lampstands, you will find these lampstands in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And you'll see them in different places. And it's amazing how much of this Old Testament foretells and foreshadows the things to come. One of those places in the Old Testament is uh, Zechariah chapter 4. Zechariah chapter 4 talks about the lampstands. And then what's cool, one of my favorite books is Revelation. People look at Revelation and they get freaked out and they need a secret decoded ring to, to figure out all of it. You really don't. You just need to ask the Lord for help understanding it and I'll show it to you. But lampstands are all through. The seven churches are identified and then it talks about their lampstands. And when God writes, or excuse me, Jesus writes the letters to the seven churches to the ones holding lampstands, he talks about them. So we also... When we think about lamps, we think about the shining light, and we think about what Jesus in us, and that light shines out. So there's a lot that can be extrapolated from that. So if you're taking notes, it is the we have a lampstand shining. And as you are taking notes, if you see when you see recurring topics, it's a clue to dig deep. Okay, so also thinking about your Bible study, and I know sometimes you go through the Bible study and you hit the play button, but I suggest you don't sometimes. I suggest you pause it and take notes when you're reading or you're going through that Bible study to stop and to look at some of these things. Because the book of Numbers, why would they have a book of Numbers if numbers weren't important? Well, they very much are. I'll give you a free one real quick. I was reading Numbers 2, and it talks about all the fighting age men, 20 years and above, 20 years and above. Now, there were over 600,000 of them, right? How many of them made it to the promised land? Yeah, hey, I got one person. You can show me on one hand how many of them made it to the promised land. You ready? There it is. Two. You think about that 600 fighting men, and that was just the fighting men. So, Two witnesses, those were the two witnesses that came back from spying out the land. I'll give you another, excuse me, another example of foreshadowing. Where do you see the two witnesses later? Revelation. See, so everything you read, you think the New Testament, oh, that's the old, the old Testament, it's not relevant, but it very much is, because it all points to our government, the New Testament. So we move, we move on, and you can see the cleansing of the Levites. I told you some of these sections wouldn't take that long. You should feel better knowing that you're going to have to sing. We are, we have a priesthood established in Numbers 8, 5 through 26. So I'm not going to read the whole thing. I am, again, summarizing it. So I'm kind of trying to give you an example of what it's like. So one of the things that um, is kind of humbling to know that Joey has used me as, as an example from the, the pulpit a couple of times. And, and it's not because I like look at me. Now, if you know anything about me, I will weep a thousand tears over in that chair knowing that my God blessed them all and that he saved my soul. And you don't know what I've been through and I don't know what you've been through. But I know who my God is. I know who my Savior is. So, I'm thankful to be used as an example sometimes. Sometimes it's a little awkward, but, you know, um, I'm, I'm, anyway, back to the point is, is we're going to look at the Levites now, and I'm not going to read the whole thing. So the second paragraph, verse 17, this is, this speaks, this spoke to me, and it says, For all the firstborn of the children of Israel are mine, both man and beast, on the day that I smoke. Every firstborn in the land of Egypt, I sanctify them for myself. So not only do you have the fun word of smoke in there, 
That's just a fun word to say. But we're talking the first month of the second year, because again, they're at the base of the sign, about the base of Mount Zion. And, and God is telling the children of Israel that He selected them a year ago when they were still in the land. He said, You're mine. On the day that I, I got rid of the oppressors, you're mine. Think about that. Man, I don't even need to look at my notes to understand. And I want you to understand. God has a plan for you long before you ever took foot set foot in this building. God knew our building was going to need attention. God knew that we were going to meet here. When when that, that happened in our in our building, I, I thought, that's all right. You know what? God's got it. And there must be something here, something that's going to happen that Satan doesn't want to happen. So I'm super pumped. I get excited sometimes about little things that God does, even to the big things that God does. So we see God moving long before you ever do. So let me ask you this before I move on into, you know, going into just a little nitty gritty on that. How many of you truly believe that God has a plan for you? Yeah, good. He does. Yeah, and you don't even know the half of it, most of it. Just wait. It's going to be good. So God strikes down the the uh, the Egyptians. He establishes the, the Levites as the priests, and they, they intercede. The, the Levites come on the scene, and they, you know, we've got the regular congregation, um, and they say, don't get too close to the temple. Otherwise, what happens, you're going to die. You're just going to straight die. It's not going to be fun death. You're just going to die. And then the priest, you know, if you've done your Bible study, you saw all what they had to do, how they had to wash, they had to sacrifice, they had to offer this sacrifice, then they had to put blood on their ear and the finger, then they had to do these things and this things and this things. It also foreshadows all the things that Jesus accomplished and fulfilled so you and I don't have to. See, Jesus was our high priest. So in 1 Peter Chapter 2, 9 through 12. You don't have to turn there, but you can write it down if you want to. I'm sorry, I skipped a note. The Levites were chosen by God before the first Passover. And then our second note was, is Jesus your high priest? So you find the scripture references there in Hebrews 4.14, 1 Peter 2, 9 through 12. But 1 Peter 9 talks, me, 1 Peter 2 talks about Jesus being our royal priest. Our, our high priest. Right. So what does that make us then? What does that make you? If you've accepted Christ into your heart, then you are a part of the royal priesthood, a holy nation. Do you feel it? Do you walk that call when you step out of this building? Do you put on the, the priestly garbs? I walk down on, you know, wherever you're going and look at me, look at me like they did then, or do you just let God's light shine? That's a question only you can answer. But God knows your heart, right? God knows your heart. We'll get into that in a minute because we talk about the lamb that was sacrificed. And while it looked perfect on the outside, who knows what was on the inside? And as someone who likes biology, you know, sometimes you have disorders on the inside. You might not know. Your heart disorder, maybe. So God works for you. Excuse me. God has works for you. So be led in the Holy Spirit, right? Now, as, as Joey alluded to, my background, yeah, I was raised as sons of God. You know, uh, he uses me as an example, but the thing is, is I've seen the examples of what the Holy Spirit can do. And I also know that the Holy Spirit is, is just like you know, the Holy Spirit is a part of the Trinity, right? You know, we we hollow. We, we don't talk bad about God. We don't talk bad about the Holy Spirit. And sometimes there's there's that element of, I don't know. There's that uncertainty of, I don't know what the Holy Spirit does. So out of uncertainty and nervousness, we joke around. Would we joke around about God like that? Would we joke around about Jesus like that? Still the Holy Spirit. And he's with us here now. So I, I, I just know. And I've seen the Holy Spirit move 
right when he's healed people, he's healed me. I remember I told people this story. Take a break from the nuts and dice story. I've been healed from strep throat when I was a little kid. I couldn't stand up and decorate the Christmas tree. My parents, we were dirt poor. We lived in a, a small little house. They enclosed the porch to create my room. And had a little glass pane window, and it was a long, narrow, narrow room. We were decorating the tree. I couldn't decorate the tree. I couldn't stand up. I was dizzy. Yeah, they laid hands on me. I prayed. They prayed for me. I was healed. There's another time that I was in the truck. We needed to go someplace. My dad's a mechanic for the most part. He can fix just about anything. Laid hand on the dashboard because it wouldn't start. And I said, Dad, we just need to pray. We laid hands on the dashboard, prayed, truck started. My wife, she had spotted breast cancer. My family and I, we prayed. She's here. Lady I work with, principal, she had spotted a breast cancer. She had breast cancer that she just got diagnosed. Holy Spirit whispered in my ear and said, pray for her. Middle of school, don't care. When God says to do it, you do it. That's what one of your lessons. That laid hands on it, not for my glory, but the glory of God. God healed me. Story upon story of what the Holy Spirit can do. Be led on the Holy Spirit. You don't know if it's the Holy Spirit, it's pretty simple. Pick up your Bible, start reading it. The Holy Spirit will confirm it. And know what the enemy does. He's here to steal, kill, and destroy. If what you're thinking is still a killer and destroyer and it leads to that, then that ain't no God. Don't do it. That should be obvious. So, all right. Then as we go down, we see chapter 8, the retirement of the Levites. And I purposely included this because Larry back there. I told him the other day I was going to make sure I mentioned it for him. He thinks he retired. But when you read the scripture, it says the Levites didn't just retire. When they reached that age, they still ministered in the, in the temple. They upheld their brothers. They prayed for their brothers. They encouraged their brothers. And they supported the brothers in Christ. So there you're not done. <laughs> Anyone who thinks they're retired, you're not done. So do you see how, you're starting to see how all these Old Testament statutes and rules and guidelines follow us here now. We might not have to do all the sacrificing and the, the bloodletting and all this stuff, but it does point to a Savior, and it does point to structure and the way that God has ordained things. So we have, the, when we move on, we have the ceremony of Passover. We have Numbers 9, 1 through 14. And I was a little, and that's the fill in the blank, I was a little uh, nervous because they were like, you gotta, you're going to go deep, you're going to go deep. You know what? I'm, I was asking the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't know what I need to go deep about. I said, there's so much. When you read this, you could go deep for days. And I, and the Lord just said, it's all good. You've got three things that I wanted you to go deep on. That's good enough. Because when you're what? It needs to be simple. It needs to focus on Christ. So when we look at the Passover, though, it is the second Passover since they had exited. Right? So the first Passover... It was to mark, it was on the first month of months, the first of the year, it was on the 10th day. It was a lamb that was supposed to be taken in on the 10th day. The lamb was not too big, not too small, it needed to be enough to feed everyone in your house. And if it was too big, if you look at Exodus, it says that if it was too big, you're supposed to go to your neighbors and, and make sure and share. Wow, there's, man, talk about a, a message right there. Well, you've got the lamb, Jesus' lamb, you know, Jesus sent us. You got it. He's more than enough for you, right? Why don't you go share? I mean, that's, you see all these little connections are just popping all over the place. It's just amazing. And when I was reading, yes, that's, God, you're so good. Yeah. All right, so talk about a message in a song, right? All right, so. When we look at Leviticus, if, if you remember in some of your Bible reading, Leviticus 17, 11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. So I kind of mentioned earlier, 
you know, we see the outside, right? And Joey alluded to it last last week. You know, you, you can see the cross over there. And when he when he mentioned that the structure of the camp was a cross, I was like, oh, so much there. But but when you actually look at the numbers and you put them in proportion, it's a cross. It's brilliant. I'm like, Jesus is just oh, he's that he points the whole thing. But when I was reading earlier uh, in the plan, no, or Bible plan numbers, if you're unclean, if you've got a visual defect, if you had an issue, what did they do? Get you out, right? You were outside the camp until it was solved or fixed or you were healed or it went away, right? But you remember reading, if you read it, right? If you got a white pin or a yellow pin, the boil is this, if it doesn't do this, all of these things, right? So let's compare it to the lamb, right? We see this lamb on the, on the outside, and it looks clean, and it looks perfect and spotless. But as we alluded to last week, Joey did, you know, it was just an atonement. It was just for a time. Because when you look at the congregation, you know, uh, the, the children of Israel and their way they, they camped, they were actually inside. But as we know, it was about a relationship with God. There's a relationship. Did they really have it? That was a hard issue. Joe has countlessly said numerous, said numerous times, and I love it every time he does this because it's a heart issue. It does not matter all these little things. Your heart says everything about you, and out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The Bible says so. So when we look at the congregation, we look at the children of Israel, we wonder. As, as Landon alluded to, how many times did they fall away? How many times have we fallen away? How many times have we gone wandering off of the displeasure of that pleasure that does not bring pleasure in the long term? So our heart, where is our heart? So that lamb, while it looked perfect and it was represented the, the, the sacrifice, we got, got to see in. God knows. God knew that the real and only way, the only true sacrifice, the only way that we would be redeemed would be through the blood of his lamb, his son. And I thought, how can I best describe this? And then and I was like, ah, oh, Joey said the kids are going to be in here, so I've got to kind of tone it down because I think most of you know my degree is forensic science, and when it comes to death things like whatever, it's dead. It ain't getting any better, right? Um, I don't mind smell. I don't really care, you know. I, but I was listening. I'm thinking. I can look at my son over there. There's no way on God's green earth that I would ever, ever give up my son for any of you. Just being honest, and I know you wouldn't. But isn't that the amazing thing that the God that we serve knew? that the only way was to give up his son. There was nothing else. The blood of that land only sufficed for here. It knew that they would go wandering, and it was only for me. So when we look at it, when we continue to look at it, they ate the lamb with their loins girded, shoes on their feet, staff in hand, ready to go. There's a sermon in itself, too. You know, this Christ of your heart are you ready to go and do works for him? I mean, are your shoes on your feet? Have you studied in your Bible? Have you read up? Have you prayed? Are you ready to rock and roll? Ready to hit the week going? Not, I'm going to be undercover Christian? You know, let's get it. So, death angel kills the firstborn, ever every man and beast. The blood is a token to be taken as a token of Passover and the celebrate. So, one of the biggest differences is the second Passover was celebrated as the first, except what? They were free. They didn't have they didn't have it hanging over them that they were captive and they had to sneak that. See, Joe preached a while back about all of the the uh, idols the, the Egyptians had, and one of those was the ram, the lamb, and that's why they stuck in on the tenth day. Because if they would have done it on the 14th day, when they sacrificed all of them, drunk too much attention. So they snuck them in on the 10th day in their house and they kept them for four days in their house. That's a sermon we'll get to. Or another point, I should say. 
All right. So they so we we look at that. They are free. They are free to make the choice to, to have that relationship with God and to give them a sacrifice. They're all. So one of the main points for second Passover is in you know, I think it's the second or third paragraph, and it talks about is there's a guy, some guys that come to Moses after the fact, and they go, "Hey, we missed it. We were out burying a dead body, and so a Moses or a dead relative. So you know what? What do we we want to we want to do Passover? So Moses then goes to God and asks God, "What should I do? What should we do?" And it's and it's this. He says, if they missed the first, they were to make up the Passover meal on the second month. If they don't keep the Passover meal the first time or the second time, they should have. They are going to bear the weight of their own sin. So that's the next fill in the blank. Can a man bear his own sin? So I tried to research this a little bit, and I kind of came up with two conclusions because I couldn't get a definitive answer on to bear your own sin and what some of it means. But one of them was, and one study said you get stoned to death, and another one was you were cut off from eternity. You know, your family line was cut off and from eternal consequences or from an eternal uh, future or reward. So the word was carrot, K-A-R-E-T. And I was like, well, I think either way, it would really, really stink. You know, stoned to death, that would probably... Her. Um, and then, you know, your eternal family lines to be cut off. But when you look at Jesus, right, he was our spotless lamb. And what did he choose to do? He chose to take on our sin. He had the violent death. And he looks like he's having his eternal line cut off. He had his familial line on the earth cut off. But you know what? He saw a greater reward. We're in heaven, right? All of us are into his adopted family. So while I look miserable on earth, kind of like our church looks miserable on earth, we know that, again, like Joey said, the church is just the building. And the spiritual consequences and the spiritual rewards are that much more. So they're actually so much better. I always teased and thought, I wonder, you know, this guy walked and went to church with me and him friends. And I said, I have a feeling, you know, because you accept Christ, you go to heaven. We all know that. But when you get to heaven, your works are then judged. And I'm like, man, am I going to have like the thinnest band of gold? Because in my crown, if I've barely done anything, it's just going to be this thin band. And someone's going to be like, oh, oh, that's a shiny little bright spot in my eye. What is that? And I thought, no, I'm going to do more. I want this big crown. You know, and so I'm going to do more. So, you know, there is an eternal consequence for what we do. And that's what lasts forever. So, when we move on from the head, we'll come back to the Passover because, again, we're going to take that at the end of service. But we have the leading by cloud and fire. So this one is fun, in my opinion, because it's it's for everybody. But if you're a man in this room and whether you have a family or not, I, I this man, this just says to me, this is for you. Because it's talking about the children of Israel followed God by the lead of the Holy Spirit, do you, do you, do you lead your family, do you lead your family well? When the Holy Spirit says to do something, do you do it? Right? I always joke with my kids, I say, you know what, I have the Holy Spirit, he whispers to me, he tells me things, but watch out for your mom, because she's got women's intuition and the Holy Spirit, and you're doomed. So, uh, men, if your wife tells you something, you know, check with God. That's probably going to be fairly accurate. So, we look at that. We have the leading of the cloud of fire. So, are you following the lead of the Holy Spirit? And again, only you can answer that. You know, my son, he asked me this. He was frustrated one day. He goes, how do I know it's the Holy Spirit? And as I've told you already, the it's the Holy Spirit. If we knew how God did everything, we wouldn't be God. So it's the Bible also says it's a gentle whisper. And there's been days, there's there's uh, a couple of days ago that I heard the Lord speak to me very clearly. It was a spirit of discernment. I was like, oh, someone's just lied to me. And I and I don't like that. But it was the Lord that revealed it. 
So you have to be well, willing and ready and be, you get rid of distractions. We'll talk about that too. Okay, so numbers 10, going along that same thing, we have the trumpets. All right, so we have the trumpets, numbers 1 through 10. And the trumpets, as you were doing your reading today, the trumpets were blown different. There were two of them. They were blown different ways. They were blown together. They mean you come do this. You know, you can, so you can imagine the Holy Spirit moving the children of Israel to a certain point. They were moved to a place. But once they were there, what were they supposed to do? So the, the trumpets were blown different ways. They meant different things. They were blown together. Everybody came together. If they were blown one, then another. Then the elders came. Then, you know, or we move this way. Or get ready for war. It's really interesting how these trumpets were sounded to, to show and direct and give clear guidance as to what was going on. So when we look at this, I have a question for us. Again, are we listening to the Holy Spirit? But when we listen to the Holy Spirit, are we diving down into what the Holy Spirit wants us to do? And are we listening to the trumpets? So that's our next blank. Not very good with doing a blank, sorry. So do you hear a sounding, uh, do you hear the sounding of a trumpet? Or are you willing as a man of your house to sound the trumpet? Because as you realize, Satan is what? He's here to kill, spill, and destroy so in your family, are you willing to say, I feel like we're being attacked by something. We're praying. Draw everybody in. Let's get together. We're praying. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. And we're going to pray. And men, doesn't always have to be men, but, but you know, uh, women as well, armor of God. We talk about the armor of God all the time. You know what? If someone hits me, in my physical self right now, I'm gonna to want to hit him back. You know what? But Satan, I can't I can't physically hit him. I don't know where he's at, but I do know how to cut him with the sword of the spirit. I can cut through anything else. So that is praying the word of God. Pray the word of God. That's why Joey consistently and Jeremy, even before I became on, and Larry before I came on, he always said, get in the word, remember the word. Remember the word. So my dad asked me, he goes, why do you think you're in, in a church that's Baptist, especially Southern Baptist, when you grew up with something about God? I said, you know what, Dad? I, I don't know, but I know God has an answer. And I have a feeling that if the biblical knowledge and the amount of memorization of the word that you guys in the Baptist church had empowered with what the Holy Spirit can do, watch out. Watch out. Because you've got to realize there's nothing that we can do on our own accord, but we can take this sword of the Spirit, and that's where your power is. And you pray the word, and you don't stop praying the word. And you will win every battle because what? Who's on our side? God, right? I didn't hear that. Need some, need some excitement in the room? Who's on our side? God. I'm, I'm low-key, but you know, come on. All right. So we see the trumpets. Are we moving in the right direction? So Joey alluded to it last week. He said 50 days. I think we got about 40. And we are looking at a time to prepare for um, the Passion Week. And Passion Week is, is where we're headed. So it's really exciting. And this is the time to prepare. And Going back to some of my roots on um, the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit is where we're at. So 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11, grew up seeing a lot of these happen. And then as I realized, here's my biggest realization of why I never saw it as a child in my own life is because I thought it's for me to see and to use and me to enjoy and me to get glory and me to get praise. Notice all the means. But I realized probably somewhere in my mid-30s, it took a little bit, you know, I'm not the fastest mature. Um, but I realized, no, God, it is for you. Why do I keep pushing? No, no, no. Lord, do what only you can do. So if you look at 1 Corinthians 12 and you read through it, I'm not going to read through it, but I am going to list them out. And I challenge you to list them out. 
And I challenge you to study them on your own if you haven't. Because we have talked to Joey's done a great job of talking about the gift, the uh, ministry gifts in the spirit, but there is a miraculous side of God. How many believe that? Show me a hand if you believe that God can do miracles. I talked to a guy who said, I think those gifts were for the Old Testament church. Oh, I really question why are they the New Testament church not? And they waned. I'm like, why do you pray then? That would be my question. Who do you believe God is and why do you pray? So when we look at the first gift, it's the word of wisdom. And the word of wisdom is a supernaturally imparted fragment. And it's and it gives, it generally means prudence or decision making. So sometimes it's it's confused with understanding because wisdom and understanding go hand in hand. If you read Proverbs, you look at it, you wonder about it, and it's like, wait a minute, uh, which one which one am I looking at? So wisdom is helping in decision-making. Knowledge, the word of knowledge, is a supernaturally inspired utterance of facts. It's a facts. It is things that have been known. You know what? When you read some of uh, Solomon's stuff, you realize he's pointing to, to uh, knowledge. Thank you. So faith is a supernaturally imparted impartation of a strength and God. And I've heard that this is, you know, and this is growing up, I was like, wait a minute, I have faith. But wait, there's a miraculous gift of faith. Which one's which? We all have faith. We can all pray a prayer of faith. God tells us to pray the prayer of faith. Jesus tells us to pray the prayer of faith. This faith, when you research, and what I've researched, it is about a life and death situation most of the time. Most of the time. I'll give you an example. Tornadoes, right? We live in Tornado Alley. Or if it's still called that. And I told God one day, I said, Lord, I would really like for my children to see you move. And then tornadoes came through. And I thought, perfect. Lord, that I, I don't know if they still remember, but I said, we were watching it on TV, and you know how I did it. Oh, we're all going to die. Get on the get there. Uh, I said, kids, which one would you rather pray? Would you rather pray that the storm breaks right and that the tornado goes south of us and cuts across no, south of Norman where it doesn't do any harm? Or would you rather pray if it splits and goes around us we can come back harder and do whatever? And they said, let's pray it splits. So we prayed. As soon as we said amen, we looked at the TV, the meteorologist goes, it's splitting. I was like, God, God is good. About four days later, you know how it one is, right? Another storm came through. I said, all right, we prayed this split last time. What do you want to pray? You want to pray that it breaks right? Yeah, let's pray it breaks right. You know what it did? It didn't break left. It broke, broke right. So faith, there is faith. There is a gift of faith. So the gift of healings is the supernaturally ministering health to the sick. The works of miracles, a supernatural intervention of natural laws. The Greek word describes it as works of power and implies instantaneous results. That would be the blue truck that didn't start when I was growing up. And Lord, let it start. Prophecy. This is, this is where I think, and I believe the church has gotten some of it wrong, like when I was growing up, because we, we, wanna, we want something so bad or we want money so bad, we're going to sell whatever we can to get whatever we can. And then again, remember, it turns from being about God to being about us. But if we stay on us, it'll be all right. No, it's you. We stay on God, it'll be all right. Prophecy is supernaturally inspired utterance from God. A genuine prophetic utterance never never contradicts. Neither is equal to the written word of God. It is to foretell and foretell, to speak from the mind of God. And prophecies are to be judged. 1 Corinthians 14, 29 and 1 Thessalonians 5, 20-21. You always know that you know what? If it doesn't come true then I ain't a prophet. I don't know So Discerning of spirits. This is a supernaturally supernatural ability to discern a person's spiritual character and the source of his actions or their actions and messages. 
such as the Holy Spirit, and demon spirits, and the human spirit, or human flesh. So, you know, when you see someone speaking in tongues, and you're wondering if it's them, one, either don't do or judge or say anything, just like I'll take care of it, or ask for the spirit of discernment. I, I did have one. This is really cool. So this kid came into my office one day, and uh, he was from the elementary school, and I was at the middle school, and he said that the, the principal came because he's, he's meanly went off. Maybe you're a guy you can talk to him as a boy. I was this close. If you've ever been in school, you know you're a principal. Getting ready to ask 20 questions, and they're going to try to figure out what it is. I, was, I said, what? And the Holy Spirit said, stop right then and there. And he said, He's mad at his mom. His mom divorced his dad. And his dad's in the picture. I looked at that kid and I said, let me ask you this. I said, your mom and dad don't live together, do they? They're divorced, aren't they? And you're mad at your mom, aren't you? Start crying. I said, listen to me. Jesus loves you. And God told me that. God told me to tell you Jesus loves you. And he knows what you're going Every time I talk about that kid, even now, I feel the Holy Spirit moving. That, that boy's got a calling on his life, and I hope he hears it and follows it. I plan to see. I hope more people plan to see. But that's the point. Is it isn't necessarily about what I did. It's about God using you and me to glorify his name. So I'm moving around, I guess. It's too much. All right, so discerning spirits, we talked about that, different kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. I'll put these two together. One is the imparted utterance in an unlearned language, which is interpret, interpreted as prophecy to the body of education. When I was growing up, it was always, it would freak you out. Yeah, just usually someone yelling it out. And yeah, someone yelling always going to freak people out. It doesn't really matter if they're yelling in a known language. It's going to shock you. But you know what? It always was followed by the interpretation. And again, as Paul said, it's only three. If you, there's no more than three, otherwise it was a confusion and it was, you know, it's just bad. And there was nothing that anybody learned from it. But the different kinds of, the, the speaking of different kinds of tongues is different than your own personal prayer language. And there is a personal prayer language that the Lord can, can give you. And you just have to ask. I have it. I don't announce it. And I'll share something with you. I shared this with, I think I shared it with my wife and I shared it with Joe. But uh, one time I thought, is me speaking in tongues, my personal prayer language, really a language? Because I heard a preacher talk about it and I thought, Lord, you say it is. And I've heard different stories, and I don't suggest doing this, but the, my curiosity got better than me. I typed as best as I could what I would speak in tongues into Google Translate. You know what it said? It said, I'm an only God. I belong to God. Over and over, I was like, oh, yes, God is so good. God is so good. So the biggest thing, we've talked about the, we've talked about the this miraculous gifts. We've talked about the gifts. Uh, it's just an administration and teaching before. And then when you follow up in that chapter, in chapter uh, the same chapter in verse 27 through 31, it says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping and ministrating the various kinds of tongues are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. But this is the important part for all of us, not just me, but for you, all of us. But earnestly desire the higher gifts. Do you earnestly desire the higher gifts? Do you even desire any gifts? I don't know. That's why I ask. That's your call. Do you earnestly desire? How much do you want to be used? Do you want to be God's priest? your world around you. So we're going to have the revival. We're going to have the revival of Passion Week, whatever you want to call it, in in May, but we're calling it Passion Week. And this is our next blank. Because when you talk about prepping for it, there is fasting 40 days for a beginning. 
And we were talking about, we we're talking about numbers, and the book of numbers is so full of numbers, the Bible is so full of numbers. But when you look at numbers, how many times does 40 show up? All right? We've got Moses, 40 days and 40 nights, right? We've got Noah, was 40 days, right? You and Noah on the on that side of the which is read that. And who else? There's a couple others, but I'll give you one. Who wants to guess it? Nailed it back there. Okay. All right. Jesus. 40 days. 40 nights. So, knowing the ark. What happened after the ark landed? A new earth, right? Or a new new uh, attempt at not screwing it up, right? Moses on the mountain. We got a new law. We got a new uh, covenant. We got a new law to live under and follow. Jesus' ministry, right? We got a new new beginning to his ministry. So when we look at fasting, though, there's a lot of confusion in fasting. There's a lot of things like, oh, do I fast everything? Do I fast water? I would suggest fasting water for 40 days. You will not live. It is always food. When you look at the Bible, it talks about food. And one of the biggest examples of that is in Daniel. Daniel fasted, and he also did what they, you know, warning. And when you, you can also see that referred to with David, David mourned, right? When he had the child with Bathsheba, and he mourned for the child, and he didn't eat. But once the baby died, then he was like, well, it was in God's hands. He did what he did what was right. And I'm done, and I'm eating, washing, and I'm moving on. Did I go over time? I think I went. I'm blanking on those two guys. I will move quickly. All right, so... The fact is, is when you look at what Daniel did, he interceded for his old country. He professed the sin of his, his nation and for himself. And what did God do? God had an angel with the answer the very day to set his heart to seek God. I mean, again, God's got the answer before we get there. So uh, I would caution you, to make sure that you do not do, as in Matthew 6, 18 says, it you know, warns us, I'm going to put it in my terms, uh, to fast. And basically, keep it between God and yourself. Don't look sallow and not wash your face. Don't not brush your teeth or not put on deodorant. Go about your day. Don't tell anybody. If your stomach growls, move on with life. Don't go, oh, I wish I could eat, but I am so cool when I'm fasting. <laughs> that ain't going to get you anything. The Bible says you will have your reward. Then when they go, good job. I would hate to go to heaven and go, hey, you got your reward. It was a good job. So, again, uh, it's food. I cut that section short, but it is a very important one. It is a very important thing. You will see a new beginning in your family, in your life, in the church. And I think that's what we're seeing being fought against tooth and nail. I really do. So, next two blanks. Read your Bible. That should be an obvious. If you don't, you need to. Pray for those inside and outside of the church. Pray. Pray without ceasing, the Bible says. And remember, we're getting ready to move into this time of communion. And when you look at Revelation, if I fast forward to Revelation, because I remember I said a lot of the same stuff you see in the beginning, you see in the end. You see the children's, uh, the children of Israel in their hearts and how they stray. Well, you see it in the church of Laodicea. You see it in the seven churches. See, when you read the church of Laodicea, you read the letter that Jesus gave to the church. And it says, I believe either you either hot or cold because you're lukewarm will spew you out. He didn't say that to people. He said that to the church. He, he didn't say, you don't have Jesus and you do, you know. He also said, behold, I stand at the doorway and knock. That was in the letter to the church. So that's a dire warning. Man, you want to feel some weight, read that letter and you'll realize just how much of a calling that when you accepted Christ is on your life. And we are the church. And I was truly encouraged when all of you guys showed up on um, the other day and came and, and cleaned up the church. We're headed in the right direction. And that's why I think everything's happening. Because he's trying to stop Satan. So the perfect spotless lamb for you and me. Jesus, he didn't sin. And we did. There's your next one. So we can't bear our own sin. 
Jesus was the spotless lamb. And we can't bear our own sin. That's why we need him. There are two. I'm cutting a lot out because, you know, it's just to the main points. Let's get to the main points. Because I know it's late. Um, first main point, when we talk about the Passover. You know, I told you that they brought that lamb inside the house. And I do believe that's in the cold and the hot. You know, you're either hot and passionate or you're stone cold with the facts. And knowing that God is, is true with who he says he is and quotes scripture. I believe it takes a healthy vote at different times. So when we look at that lamb, can you not, can you can you imagine having a lamb in your house for four days? Most people think, oh, that's the cutest thing. And then what do you got to do? You got to take it and you got to kill it. Can you imagine the attachment that they had to that lamb? Do you have that same attachment to our lamb, Jesus? So perfect spotless lamb was enough. Second point, nothing remained overnight. They're, they were supposed to burn it. They were supposed to get rid of it. But you know what? Jesus was also removed from the cross the same evening because nothing remained overnight. No sin remained. Jesus was a perfect spotless lamb and no sin remained. Isn't that amazing? So when we look at the, the Greek on it, it's telio, excuse me, Jesus telio, it's brought to an end, fulfilled, and he paid for sin the same day and was not left overnight. Nothing that you did or I did that we got to go, oh, go get the land. No, it's done. And thank the Lord. And you know what? And it's not just the past your past, it's not just your present, it's your future too. It's all been paid for. So we're getting ready to move into a final response, Lyndon, and Marcus, if you want to come. There's a couple of things. One, if you don't know Christ, the Bible clearly and specifically says that, you know, you can come to know him and then you can take him. But if you're not, if you don't know Christ, then I suggest you do. There's nothing better. Thanks again for listening to this message. For more information about South Lakes Church, go to slchurch.life.